Okay, welcome. My name is Dr. Spencer Erickson of Timview Chiropractic, and today we are doing a podcast about bed rest and pregnancy. This has been stimulated by a couple of different things, and it kind of started gaining momentum over the last week. Um, it's been really odd because I've had some patients come in. I've been seeing a lot of pregnancy lately, uh, usually four or five in a, in, a, in a day, sometimes just in a morning. And we'll be seeing quite a bit of that uh, uh, throughout the days and the weeks recently. And I've been hearing this kind of recommendation for bed rest. Uh, once in a while. Now, this is not as common as it used to be, and I have to give a lot of credit for that, but it's still really common. And the thing that we're running into is, is that uh, there are assumptions made about you know, doing certain uh, interventions that we expect to see you know, a lot of results from. We can't just assume that things are going to uh, things are going to pan out the way we expect them to, just because they they seem right or they feel right or they they've just always been done. And so, what I want to do is I want to get into this topic of bed rest in pregnancy. And uh, it was it's interesting because it was kind of further stimulated by uh, had a conversation um, real similar to this uh, in our elders quorum in uh, in, in church uh, this last week. And that's that's probably what really pushed me over the edge into uh, into just looking more into this and um, and creating this podcast and the blog post that's going to go along with it on the website. So. Uh, it was interesting because in the uh, church meeting, uh, there was a lot of doctors. Uh, there are a lot of medical doctors in, uh, in, in my congregation. And so it was, it was interesting to see their perspective and uh, how they've changed over the years and what, they, what their thoughts, thought processes, processes used to be versus what they are now. And it's true for every sort, every sort of provider. I'm not picking on M MDs here. Um, it's true for everyone. Uh, every sort of provider, we have our, <clears throat> pardon me, we have our biases. We have things that we've just done because we've just done them, or we have things that have just been told, uh, we've been told that we should do them, so we do them, even though there's not really a lot of evidence to support that. And so really what I've tried to do in my career is, is do my best to stay as upfront um, on the research uh, as I can and to implement new things whenever I feel like I need to. Uh, whenever I new, uh, learn a new principle, I like to implement those things as rapidly as possible. Now, what I want to do is I want to, uh, first of all, I want to go to the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. This is really important because it was last updated in 2020, so this is fairly, fairly recent recommendations. It says, for most women, bed rest is not recommended. There is no scientific evidence that bed rest prevents preterm labor or reduces preeclampsia risk. Being completely inactive can increase the risk of other problems, including blood clots. If your OBGYN suggests bed rest because you have a specific medical condition, ask if you can do some activity. So there's the, uh, the ACOG, uh, their recommendations for, uh, for bed rest. Uh, for most women, bed rest is not recommended. I think that's really, really a powerful thing. Now, um, that's not always the case, though. Even though they're absolutely right, that's what the research shows. There's really no evidence to support that. If you go to, for example, the American Pregnancy Association's website, the very f uh, if you look up bed rest, uh, it actually lists high blood pressure such as preeclampsia or eclampsia as the very first cause of bed rest, uh, first, first cause for diagnosing bed rest um, in, in a pregnancy. And that directly contradicts the, uh, the ACOG's statement that I just read a minute ago. So there's a lot of information and then there's a lot of carried over misinformation that's just a relic that has not been superseded yet by more current knowledge and understanding. So it's really important to do that. Now, as we're looking at this, Really importantly, what we have to understand is most of the research 
only really started in the 19, well, really 1989 for pregnancy. Uh, in the early 1900s, bed rest was, it was severe <laughs> and it was extreme. So docs were, were thinking, man, we need to save this pregnancy. So what I want you to do is I want you to lie in your bed all day long. You're not allowed to talk to anybody. You're not allowed to do anything. You're allowed to lie on your bed and I want you to close the blinds so there's no external visual stimulus. And I want you to put earplugs in so you can't hear anybody, anything in the house. If we completely shut off your senses, then you're, you're going to be able to carry this pregnancy better. That was the recommendation 100 years ago. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And they, they did that without any, uh, any evidence that it would be helpful. They just did it on kind of a feeling that it seems like this is going to help you. And so I don't doubt that, that all these things were initially done uh, from a good place, initiated from a good place. But ultimately, we've known now that that's, it's not helpful. And you can imagine what, that, what those moms had to go through. Uh, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about that in, in a more recent study. So in 1989, well, I should say in the 1940s first. In the 1940s, space agencies started to uh, study the effects of weightlessness on the body and the only way we could do that in gravity is to have people lie down and so they studied the human uh, human physiology uh, with just people lying down for long periods of time which basically is what pregnancy uh, bed rest for pregnancy is or what it looks like and so they started to to see that there are some deleterious effects there are some negative effects uh, from just lying prone or lying uh, supine i guess lying on your back uh, all day long and those things are not uh, they're not nothing they, they they shouldn't be ignored certainly um let's see the study that i'm really going to go through here uh is was was done in 2010 uh, i'm sorry 2011 is when it was published it's called lack of evidence for prescription of antepartum bed rest now, um, oh man, I'm going to put my glasses on for this. I keep looking at bright lights too, and that's ruining things. Uh, if you start reading through this, it's really interesting. Antipartum bed rest is currently used as, in an attempt to, to prevent uh, birth by preterm birth by approximately 71 to 87% of USA obstetricians and to a lesser extent, Canadian physicians and midwives to prevent preterm birth despite questions regarding its effectiveness and safety. Now, this is a 2010 study published in 2011, I believe. Uh, we'll just call it a 2011 study. There was a previous study done in 1989 that started looking at this to say, is there any evidence? It doesn't appear that there's any evidence that these things are beneficial. Um, let's see, in the 1940s, we talked about that. Uh, in numerous investigations, aerospace scientists discovered that not only was muscle atrophy and calcium excretion a side effect of bed rest, but that bed rest also produced an array of other physiological and uh, psychosocial side effects, or yeah, psychosocial side effects as uh, the body attempted to adapt to a prone state or lying down state. Interestingly, every major organ system is rapidly affected by reducing hydrostatic in, uh, gradients and reducing loading and disuse of weight bearing tissues during bed rest. Uh, some resulting physiologic changes include, but are not limited to, redistribution uh, of uh, circulating blood, altered renal hemodynamics, so your kidneys aren't working the same, fluid and electrolyte loss, decreased plasma volume, muscle atrophy, bone demineralization, and altered body metabolism, uh, glucose metabolism, vestibular function, so that's the, uh, the inner ear, sensory and balance information, and circadian rhythms. So it affects every system of the body fairly rapidly. Uh, knowledge regarding the adverse side effects of bed rest, however, 
have not been applied to the treatment of women with pregnancy complications and the use of antepartum activity restriction continues. So what that basically says is we know these things about bed rest, but they, the principles have not been applied, carried over to, to pregnancy. I'm going to put a link to this study down below. If you have an interest in bed rest, for, especially for pregnancy, pregnancy, it's really, really interesting. And I'm going to quote a lot from this study, and it's long. I'm, not going, to, I'm going to do as little as I can, but uh, you know, hopefully keep it, uh, keep it kind of interesting for you. Uh, so the evidence for effectiveness of bed rest treatment. Antepartum bed rest is used to prevent preterm labor and is a treatment for pregnancy-related complications such as preterm rupture of membranes, placenta previa, uh, incompetent service, uh, incompetent cervix, uh, fetal growth, retardation, uh, preeclampsia, and multiple gestations. There are two assumptions behind antepartum bed rest treatment. One, that bed rest is effective in preventing preterm birth, and two, that bed rest is safe for mothers and for their fetuses and infants. This is where we come into a sticking point in research because you have a long-held belief on one hand saying that I've been doing this for years and it seems to be working. And so that's why people propagate this, this long-term belief. The other part of that is you're making an assumption and it's not based on any solid facts. You're actually making th those two assumptions there. First, that, that it's effective and second, that it's safe. You can't make assumptions like that in healthcare and not you know, have some ramifications if you're wrong. And so all the research is trying to do now is say, okay, is there evidence to support what you're doing or is there not? Is there even is there evidence contrary to, uh, to what you're doing um, in its effectiveness? Randomized control trials were initiated and assessed uh, birth outcomes such as neonatal morbidity and mortality. So kids that come out sick or, uh, were, or died. Uh, gestational age at birth and infant birth weight among uh, singleton, so single births, as well as multiple multiple births, so twins and triplets and so on. With a few exceptions, studies found that no group differ differences in uh, maternal fetal outcomes. Furthermore, studies that compared outcomes of twin pregnancies among a hospitalized bed rest group with an ambulatory group found that there was a higher rate of preterm birth and greater morbidity and mortality in the hospital group. So what they found in, when they first started doing studies was there's no difference whether you keep a person ambulatory and moving around or you put them on bed rest. It doesn't, it doesn't affect the, uh, the preterm labor and, and gestational, or I'm sorry, morbidity and mortality. Furthermore, is what they said here is if you have uh, multiples like twins or triplets, then the outcomes are much worse if you put them on bed rest. For those, for those things. Thus, a Cochrane, Cochrane database meta-analysis has concluded that antepartum bed rest is a treatment whose effectiveness has not yet been determined. Practitioners should not assume efficacy for bed rest treatment until evidence is produced. In other words, stop doing this unless you can provide uh, evidence that it's doing something. Research regarding leisure time physical, physical activity. This is what I love because I'm a chiropractor. I want people out moving. Motion is life. Movement is life. It's true on a cellular level and it's true on a macroscopic level in the body. The more we move, the healthier we are. That's just the way we're put together. And so I get a little bit passionate about things like bed rest. It says regular leisure activity uh, appears to protect against prematurity, low birth weight, gestational diabetes, and preeclampsia. 
So in other words, when you start adding activity, just as simple as walking, and we'll talk about some numbers here in a second, just as simple as walking, if you start adding that activity, it actually reduces your risk of preterm labor. It reduces your risk of preeclampsia. It reduces the risk of some of those conditions that people were being put on bed rest for. So it's actually the exact opposite effect of what they were going for uh, when they were prescribing bed rest. Active women had a significantly reduced risk of preterm birth Let's see, women who engaged in light physical activity or walking has a 24% reduced risk of preterm delivery. And women who engaged in moderate to heavy, heavy activities such as sports like tennis, swimming, or weekly running, uh, even to competitive sports several times a week, had a 66% reduced risk. So two thirds, again, reduced risk of preterm labor and complications if you are highly competitive playing sports during your pregnancy. The greater the intensity, and this is a quote from the article, the greater the intensity of the, of the activity, the greater the reduced risk of preterm birth. So if you want to reduce the, reduce the risk of preterm labor, you get out and you get active. You don't lay a woman down for, for hours and hours at a you know, every day for, for weeks or months at a time. It's the, you're going to get the exact opposite effect that you want. Um, studies into the, the side effects of bed rest have since identified several adverse physiological and psychosocial side effects of pregnancy-related bed rest. Altered uh, muscle metabolism is rapidly induced during activity restriction. So your muscles actually will start to uh, metabolize differently. And of course, if you don't use a muscle, it's going to start atrophying. And that's one reason it starts to atrophy is because it doesn't, if your body doesn't need it, it's going to start removing tissue from it. Uh, muscle reoxygenation time needed to recover from exercise significantly increased across bed rest and significantly decreased across six weeks postpartum. So in other words, it takes longer to recover after you exercise if you're lying down a lot, which makes sense because you're uh, your muscles are not used to metabolizing as well. Uh, antepartum muscle loss, including muscle deconditioning and weakness. Let's see, pain and, and uh, discomfort, particularly in low back and hips. You can imagine if you're lying down all day, um, it, it's going to affect your, your hips and your low back because you're putting pressure on it all day long. You're supposed to be up and walking around. That's what it's all about. Okay, uh, indications of pre, uh, maternal bone loss. Uh, women on prolonged bed rest had six-fold higher odds of bone loss. So you could lose six times as much bone uh, being in bed. And some of that, uh, in some of these studies, they actually say that recovering from that is, is almost impossible, uh, especially if you're in your, your uh, 30s. You, you may never re uh, recover that bone density back again ever in your life. That means by the time you get your, your 60s, you're already way disadvantaged and your risk of osteoporosis and bone fracture starts going way up. And so that's another really negative uh, side effect. The weekly rate of weight change was significantly lower in the Institute of Medicine uh, than the Institute of Medicine's recommendations for pregnancy weight gain by BMI. So women who were on bed rest didn't gain weight and sometimes they even lost weight. You're supposed to gain weight. It's healthy for you and it's healthy for the baby. And let's see. Maternal weight gain is directly related to infant birth weight, and infant birth weight is a predictor of neonatal morbidity and mortality. So if, you, if your fetus uh, is smaller because you're in bed and you're not putting on weight like you should be, then that increases the risk for mortality or morbidity. So they get a greater chance of losing the, the baby or uh, the baby being sick. Hospitalized women on complete bed rest 
gained less weight and had infants who were born at earlier gestational age and weighed significantly less than women on partial bed rest. So even if a woman has to be down for two or three hours, that's better than being down all day long. Those women who were down all day long had way smaller babies at way higher risk than women who were just down for a couple hours at a time or they were just allowed to get up and go to the bathroom. So any sort of motion, any sort of movement is so, so important in, in all of this. Now, psychosocial effects. We can't ignore these things because it's mental health. Mental health is more important, oh my goodness, in many ways, even than physical health. But both are, are very, very important. Um, okay, so here's some of the things they talk about. Uh, antipartum depressive syndrome, depressed mom, depressed pregnant mom. We don't want our pregnant moms to be depressed. It's so stressful on them and on the baby, on the family. Depression, anxiety, and hostility, uh, maternal stress, uh, a type of environmental sameness. You get stuck in this feeling where nothing ever changes, stuck in a rut. I can't even imagine going through a pregnancy, not being able to feel like your environment is ever changing and adapting. And that you get, you get to experience anything different than just laying on your bed all day long. Uh, altered temporality. That's really an interesting thing. They, they call it elongation of time, basically where you feel like seconds are just minutes long and minutes are hours long and hours are days long. Uh, and that's been reported in a lot of the studies that I've read through. When women spend long, isolated, fright-filled hours in bed, and why are they afraid? Because they're afraid of, if they do anything, they're going to lose their baby. That's just more stress. It's more anxiety. It, it just piles on top of itself. Time is perceived as slowing down in seconds and minutes rather than hours or days. Women also feel out of control of what's happening with their bodies. Also being separated from their family. You have family disruption, financial difficulties, care for children um, at home, and the partner's assumption of maternal responsibilities. So yeah, it's, it's torture for mom, and then dad's gotta come home. Uh, a lot of dads even have to quit work to take care of the family. And so mm -hmm, it, it just kind of piles Okay, so why aren't, why is this continuing to, to move forward? It says, explanations for continued use despite existing evidence are weak and lacking. Prescription of bed rest appears to be based upon the belief that rest does little harm and that maternal activity is related to physical forces that stimulates uterine contractions, cervical effacement, and dilation. Some practitioners rely on their clinical expertise and, and conclude that since they have had good outcomes, bed rest treatment is effective when it's unknown whether the same outcome would have occurred without bed rest treatment. Others state that they use bed rest because there are limited effective interventions to prevent preterm birth and that abstaining from using interventions in high-risk pregnancy is difficult since neonatal outcomes are often serious. So in other words, we want to do something. We, we want to feel like we, we're doing something. And I know that's a very, it's a very familiar feeling right now. Doing something is better than doing nothing. When in reality, the body's capable. We have to have faith in the systems in the body, the systems that are already put in place in the body. The body does not want to lose a pregnancy. We're designed, women are designed, we as human beings, women are designed to carry a pregnancy throughout. The, the reason that a pregnancy will be lost often early on is because there are genetic abnormalities or there are other things going on that prevents you know, a healthy baby being born. And so that's why the baby can be lost. There are other reasons as well. And man, I want to be sensitive to all those things. I also want to be sensitive to those women who, who have, you know, legitimate problems that bed rest is helpful for. We're talking about a very specific subset um, that's just way overused. 
So I want to be sensitive to, to uh, the needs and the cares of, of the people who are watching this. But systems are put in place. This is why I always tell moms, we have to honor the process. When a woman comes in and she's breached and the baby's upside down and, you know, or not upside down, not ready to come out the right way, and they want me to adjust them and so the baby will turn, I always say we have to honor the process because I'm not in charge of what that baby does. I'm not in charge of what her body does. All I can do is adjust it, take as much stress out of the system as I can, and allow the body to... Uh, to express itself the way that it's designed to. And more often than not, yep, baby turns. When moms bring their babies in to get adjusted and they have a torticollis or they have, you know, colic or whatever, I always say we honor the process because I'm not in charge of that baby's symptoms. What we do is we take the stress out of the system through the adjustment and allow the body to express. Okay, that sounds familiar because I just said it with the, with the mother's body. We allow the body to express the way that it's designed to. We have to remember our bodies are designed, for, or they built themselves from two cells into this huge, magnificent system that, you know, walks and thinks and cries and, you know, has emotions. All of that came from two cells. There's intelligence involved with that. If we remove the, in, uh, the interference to that, the expression of that intelligence, then the body will have a better opportunity to express itself fully the way that it was designed to in the first place. We can't just assume because we feel good about a particular intervention that it's going to be really helpful for us. In fact, it may be really harmful for us. So when we start making these great big assumptions about, oh yeah, it's, it's, it's fine, I feel really good about doing this, sometimes the way that you know, our educated brain thinks uh, can influence the way that we feel when sometimes there's going to be more information available maybe later, or like I said before, we just kind of work to honor the process. We're designed to work in a very certain way. And yeah, we want to influence it some, sometimes uh, to optimize itself. And so what we want to do now that we have the ability to see this research is take advantage of the research that's out there. So anyway, I hope that uh, that, that made sense. I'm going to put, uh, I'll put, I'll put two or three articles in the comments or in the, uh, in the description so you can kind of read over some things. If you have any questions on this, please feel free to contact me. This is a, it's a crazy time to, to be looking at research and to be alive and to, you know, go through these processes. So there are three takeaways that, that I kind of jotted down. First, when we're given advice from healthcare, healthcare experts, we need to understand that regardless of their experience and their strong beliefs about a, a particular issue or a particular topic or health condition, we can look at the actual research and then challenge that old belief. Okay. Doctors don't know everything. I'm a doctor. I'm not a medical doctor, but I'm a doctor. I don't know everything. I don't know everything about chiropractic. I know a lot, but I can't say that I know everything. So it's okay to have your own understanding and to do the research because sometimes they literally just haven't done the research yet. Uh, takeaway number two, when assumptions are made about healthcare choices being benign without any research to support that claim, real harm can be done. You know, let's take for example, you know, say a woman who is told, don't exercise anymore. Uh, I want you on bed rest. Um, then we know she's going to lose out on the benefits for that exercise. In addition to the fact that if she's lying down all day, she can possibly increase the, the risk of getting a deep vein thrombosis uh, or a, a clot in her legs that goes up to her lungs. It's not benign just because it doesn't seem like it's, <laughs> just because it doesn't seem like it's harmful. There are lots of things that can happen when, because every intervention is an intervention, even bed rest is an intervention, and it can have possible negative side effects. 
So we can't make assumptions about that kind of stuff. And number three, doing something because it feels right or because it seems like doing something is better than doing nothing, it really can lead us down a road of hardship. I just want to feel like I'm doing something. And I totally get that. I totally understand that sentiment. I want to, I always want to feel like I'm doing something too. We just need to keep looking at the facts as, as they present themselves and keep studying out and keep evolving, keep allowing ourselves to evolve in our understanding of something. Anyway, that's it on bed rest. Um, this has been really interesting for me to, to research and do uh, for you. If you have any questions on this, I'd love to hear them. Or if you have research that contradicts anything that, that I say, absolutely bring it on. I would love to read it. Um, I'm always open to, to understanding more. Uh, if you have any questions about uh, pregnancy and chiropractic, uh, infant adjusting or kid adjusting and chiropractic, all that kind of stuff, I love it. Uh, or questions on anything else related to chiropractic, please feel free to give me a call. Uh, our office number here is 801-762-6940. You can contact the front desk directly through email at timpviewreception at gmail.com or you can contact me, uh, Dr. Spencer Erickson at gmail.com is my address, uh, my email address. The website is uh, timpviewchiropractic.com and I hope to hear from you soon. Hope you have a great day and we'll look forward to seeing you in the next one. Thanks.